Tom's prayed that we would know the truth of God's word. Well, it was disappointing to discover when I looked up on um, online that the accounts of the destruction of Babylon in the Bible were all wrong. Then I discovered, not that that was much of a discovery, that when John speaks of the destruction of Babylon, that's really not talking about Babylon, he's really talking about Rome. So, we will come back to Zechariah, but we're going to spend some time thinking about the destruction of Babylon before we come to its building. Obviously it's not going to be in that order um, in history. But we need to think a little bit about the situation and the history. Obviously the bulk of the references prophetically to Babylon occur in the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah is writing before Nebuchadnezzar takes the people to Babylon and is warning them that unless they repent they will be taken away. The people did not repent. Jeremiah, as we were reminded this afternoon, is prophesying actually while the people are in Babylon and uh, he speaks of the fact that they will be returning and he also speaks of the destruction of Babylon. Ezekiel gives various prophecies and or Babylon is mentioned in a number of prophecies about things that are happening at the time. We're not really going to look at Ezekiel and of course Daniel is actually in Babylon throughout the time of the captivity. He was taken there by Nebuchadnezzar right at the beginning and he continued there, continued there in charge even until the time of King Cyrus. So we're going to start by looking at Jeremiah chapter 50. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare ye among the nations, and publish, and set up a standard. Publish, and conceal not. Say, Babylon is taken, Baal is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north there cometh up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God, they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come, and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. 
My people have been a lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to hill, from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them and their adversaries. Said, We offend not, because they have sinned against the Lord. The habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Remove out of the midst of Babylon and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as the goats, as the he-goats before the flocks. For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. The arrow shall be as a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. Now, we have here the Lord speaking to his people and warning them to leave Babylon. They are warned to go to Zion, and yet they have to ask the way to Zion. That's a very strange thing, isn't it? Isaiah has already told us that Cyrus will send the people back to build the temple. And yet, here we have people being having to be told to flee and not knowing actually where to go. So this is something very strange. And Bel and Merodach, the gods of Babylon, are confounded and broken. The regime, the uh, way that things have been set up, is coming to an end. And a vast assembly of nations, an assembly of great nations, is going to attack. These people we find in verse 10, Chaldea shall be a spoil, all that spoil her shall be satisfied, saith the Lord. Because ye were glad, because ye rejoiced, O ye destroyers of mine heritage, because ye are grown fat as the heifer of grass and bellow as bulls, your mother shall be sore confounded, sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. Every one that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at all her plagues. So, there is a great wonder here, a, a great... Uh, shock that this huge city has been brought to nothing. Of course we know that Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the 
hanging basket, the hanging gardens of Babylon were this tremendous building that had been set up. And when Nebuchadnezzar, in his pride, boasted of the Babylon that he had built, actually it was pretty much what he, as the emperor, had established and built. He was, of course, wrong and had already been warned about that state of pride, but it was a reasonable claim. Now, these people see Babylon and they're shocked. But then the command comes, verse 14, put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. Shout against her round about. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen, her walls are thrown down, for it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her, as she hath done, do unto her. So the Lord calls for this city to be destroyed. But then Jeremiah says in verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days, and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. So we have the king of Babylon being punished. Well, as I've just intimated, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was punished. He was driven uh, as, uh, as a beast for a while until he looked up and acknowledged the power of the Lord God and his understanding returned to him and he was restored to his land. The last king of Babylon, Belshazzar, he of course was punished and taken out of the way. But of course, Babylon wasn't destroyed at that point. The Medes, Darius the Mede, and then Cyrus ruled there. Clearly, that's not the destruction that this chapter is speaking of. And then we read those wonderful words that in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, 
the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for and there shall be none and the sins of Judah and they shall not be found well first of all Israel was never in Babylon that was Judah Israel was taken by Assyria and they were scattered and essentially lost they never returned and what about what about this pardoning of the sins of Judah had we <clears throat> read through the rest of Zechariah and Haggai as they were go contemporary we, we find lots of criticisms because when they came back to the land they didn't get on and build the temple they got sucked into their own way of doing things they were more concerned with dwelling in their sealed houses in beautifying their own homes than in building the temple of God So when is this pardon coming? Surely it speaks of something which is yet to come. God says, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. And then it's after that that again the Lord commands this going up <coughs> against Merathaim, another term for Babylon. And to cut down this hammer of the whole earth, how is Babylon become a desolation among the nations? I have laid a snare for thee, and thou also art also taken, O Babylon. <coughs> and thou wast not aware. Thou art found and also caught, because thou hast striven against the Lord. The Lord is fighting against her. It's a very solemn situation. <clears throat> and we have uh, these sort of calls repeated <clears throat> as you go through the rest of this wonderful chapter. A very solemn chapter. The voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. God will judge his people. We were reminded of that this afternoon as well, weren't we? That the Lord will judge the people and <clears throat> declare justice for his people who have been so grievously harmed. Call together the archers against Babylon. Or ye that bend the bow, camp against it round about. Let none thereof escape. Recompense her according to her work, according to all that she hath done. Do unto her. For she hath been proud against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel. God says, verse 31, Behold, I am against thee. O thou most proud, saith the Lord God of hosts, for thy day is come, the time that I will visit thee, and thy most proud shall stumble and fall, and none shall raise him up, and I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it shall devour all about him. <coughs> and then that fire is 
likened in verse 40 as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbour cities thereof, saith the Lord. So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the city close to the earth. They shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea, and they shall ride upon horses, every one put in array like a man to the battle against thee, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon hath heard the report of them, and his hands waxed feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. But does that actually speak, historically, of the destruction of Babylon? When Babylon fell, when the kings of Persia and Media came, Belshazzar was in his house feasting. The historians tell us that the city was actually being besieged, but he, he was so confident that he was still feasting and drinking to the gods of iron and wood and gold and silver, even in the very vessels from the temple of the living God. It was only when the writing of God appeared on the wall that he began to shake. But even then, he takes no notice of the proclamation of Daniel, does he? He still presents him to be the, uh, the next in line in, in, in order. He's not taking any notice. He doesn't take heed to what God said. Very solemn. And if we think about Cyrus, Cyrus is called by God the Blessed One. He is his shepherd, he's the one that he has raised up, he is his anointed. So these words are not true of him. We have the same message continuing through chapter 51 verse 8 Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed how for her take balm for her pain if so be she may be healed but then verse 10 the Lord hath brought forth our righteousness come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. We have in Revelation, don't we, the, um, <clears throat> the cry of the martyrs for the Lord to avenge. We have the people from uh, in Jerusalem boasting. We have the, the nations around wondering, don't they? The Lord hath done great things for them, whereof they are glad. Lord hath done great things for us. Let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. 
then verses 24 and 25 and I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight saith the Lord behold I am against thee O destroying mountain saith the Lord which destroyest all the earth and I will stretch out mine hand upon thee and roll thee down from the rocks and will make thee a burnt mountain And the land, verse 29, shall tremble and sorrow. For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon to make the land of Babylon a desolation without an inhabitant. We have <coughs> that sort of comment repeated again and again, verses 35 to 37 and then again in verse 45 God calls for his people to go out of the midst of her and deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord and lest your heart faint and ye fear for the rumour that shall be heard in the land a rumour shall both come one year and after that in another year shall come a rumour and violence in the land ruler against ruler Therefore behold, the days come, that I will do judgment upon the graven images of Babylon, and her whole land shall be confounded, and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heaven and the earth, and all that is therein, shall sing for Babylon, for the spoiler shall come unto her from the north, saith the Lord. Babylon hath caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. These very solemn words come round again and again. Verse 57 I will make drunk her princes and her wise men, her captains and her rulers and her mighty men, and they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, and her high gates shall be burned with fire, and the people shall labour in vain, and the folk in the fire, and they shall be weary. Then right at the end of the chapter thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. So what are we to make of these things? We have a very great destruction. But we have that which points to the fact that this isn't something that is already past. Now we can look at where Babylon was today and we will find that it is uh, barren. 
that there are not any inhabitants, that it has been destroyed. We will come to something else later, but so in a sense some of these things do seem to have been fulfilled. And yet there are many things which are echoed far more forcibly when we come well, the Jeremiah is echoing from what has already been spoken of by Isaiah in Isaiah 47 Isaiah says or the Lord says come down and sit in the dust O virgin daughter of Babylon sit on the ground there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit thou silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. Now Jeremiah did refer to Babylon as the daughter of Babylon. But here, that's emphasised over and over again, isn't it? The virgin daughter of Babylon, the daughter of the Chaldeans, the lady of the nations. But taking vengeance against this person, this evil person, is our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. And as we read those words of the Lady of Kingdoms, surely it immediately reminds us of that great title, that terrible title that John gives, the Whore of Babylon. She says, verse 7, I shall be a lady forever. So that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. <clears throat> Wherefore, hear now this, thou that art given to pleasures, that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thy heart, I am, and none else beside me, I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee, in a moment, in one day, the loss of thy children, and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Now again, Babylon was and is known for those for that false religion and for that degree of uh, 
false wisdom, shall we say. We, we, we find, um, uh, and Isaiah has already made mention, uh, and it comes again here, um, verse 12, Stand now with thine enchantments, and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast laboured from thy youth, if so be thou shalt be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Very interesting, isn't it? All these people, they're, they're standing up and they're um, uh, supposedly being able to reveal the secret things, but God says... They can't do anything about it. God is in control. So, again, that destruction. Behold, they shall be a stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before it. But Isaiah's first pronouncement against Babylon is made in chapter 13 and chapter 14. And as we come to these, I hope that we shall see more clearly that actually what we have been reading has to be something that will come because of the very context that is spoken of. Chapter 13, verse 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones, I have also called my mighty ones of mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, the tumultuous noise of the kingdoms, of nations gathered together, the Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. And then verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. The day of the Lord. And that speaks, doesn't it, of that time which is to come. And as we carry on, for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the motion that shall not cause her light to shine, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, 
and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Verse 13. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, the comment, the bringing together of those events reminds us of so many other prophecies, doesn't it? Joel chapter 2. We know that these words were partly fulfilled at that great first Whitsunday but only partly as God says in verse 30 and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Then in the following uh, chapter, verse, chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16, And the sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion, and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. For behold, verse 1, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Jerusalem, of Judah and Jerusalem. So, very clearly, there is to be a further time of uh, gathering back but there is also to be that th these things are to be done at that time when the Lord will shake the heavens and the earth Haggai chapter chapter 2 and verse 6 for thus saith the Lord of hosts yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts Now I must confess that I have breached from that verse and spoken of the desire of all nations as Christ's coming and those of you that know Handel's Messiah will know that those words are sung in that as well. But Mr. Newton points out that actually the come is not 
singular, but plural. And he therefore says that it's the chosen things of the nations that shall come. They shall be brought to Jerusalem. And therefore again he places this as being a, a greater fulfillment of, of yet another temple as it were. A continuation of this rebuilt temple when the Lord will come. We read, don't we, in Revelation, there even in, as John sees, the, the holy city, that uh, it's, it's commented on twice, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honour into it. They shall bring the glory and honour of the nations into it seems to link with this comment here. Micah chapter 4 But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow unto it and many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We say, well, what's that got to do with this? Verse 11 now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let her eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves unto the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. But who is this against? Verse 10. A daughter of Zion bring forth like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. So this great gathering, this great fulfilment of this uh, time, this scourge, is to be in a time yet to come. Again in chapter 5, verse 4, And he shall stand up. Now who's this? One from Bethlehem Ephrata. He shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace, when the Assyrian shall come into our land. And when he shall tread in our palaces, 
Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men, and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land, and when he treadeth within our borders. Now Micah is an exact contemporary of Isaiah. So when Micah is prophesying, the Assyrians have already taken the northern kingdoms of Israel. But here Micah is speaking of the Assyrian who shall come. And we find as we go through that the Assyrian is another name that is used for the Antichrist and also the Prince of Babylon. So again this is speaking of the time to come. That shaking of the skies and the constellations of heaven being put out and the moon losing its light. Again, the Lord himself speaks of these things, doesn't he? Just before he goes to the cross as he teaches on the Temple Mount. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the, son of the, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Hebrews chapter 12, the words that we've already seen spoken by the Lord through Haggai are referred to again, but it's very clearly that this is something which is yet to happen. Chapter 12 of Hebrews verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth. But now hath he promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things which are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Now when we read that last verse in reference to what we've seen going on in Babylon, it has a very different and poignant significance, doesn't it? Okay. There's something else very wonderful. Going back to Isaiah chapter 13, I missed out verse 12. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. 
what a testimony of he, that Redeemer, who we've also seen referred to already. The one who will come. But again, he will come again in those latter days as those signs of the heaven are brought about to warn the people of the things that will come about, those signs of which we heard this afternoon. Well, Isaiah goes on to speak in very similar ways as we've seen in Jeremiah verse 19 the Babylon the glory of kingdoms the beauty of the Chaldees excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah it shall never be inhabited and as we go through chapter 14 we see the, the, the same thing how have the oppressor ceased the golden city ceased the Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers and then we find how art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how art thou cast down to the ground which didst weaken the nations for thou hast said in thine heart I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high So as we have those references, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars, I will ascend unto the, above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. It reminds us that actually the Hebrew for Babylon is Babel, the tower that was built to reach up to God, to establish a name, that great centre of false religion and here the son of the morning is seeking to do the same thing and as Isaiah presents it to us this isn't something which happened back in the sort of prehistory of the world as it were but something which will happen solemn words now as we have such a tremendous uh, set of declarations against Babylon against the Assyrian so it is very clear that there must be something behind all of these things. So, there will be a time, in order for it to be destroyed, when the city of Babylon must be rebuilt. In Zechariah, we read of that time. 
verse 11 of chapter 5 the two women again you'll notice it's women one was in the ether now the ether speaks to us of trading it's, it's a way essentially and it's Babylon was a great centre of trade and you'll recall how that's made so much of in the book of the Revelation as uh, the, the people mourn because this great city who has done so much trading is lost Alas, alas, that great city of Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Notice that, in one hour. This great force wipes it out. The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odours and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. What a list! It's, it's all-encompassing, including the souls of men. Not just the bodies of men. We've got slaves. That's bad enough. But the souls of men. It's all-encompassing. This is wickedness, we read in Zechariah, verse 8. A talent of lead, a very heavy weight. And this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ether. So she herself is part of that great trade, the whore of Babylon. And indeed, as Zechariah looks, one woman was there, but now there come out two women. And the wind was in their wings. For they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ether between the earth and the heaven. This is taken up, and it's to be expanded, it's to be exported, it's to be taken to the land of Shina, to the land of Shina. I've already made mention of the Tower of Babel. Where was the Tower of Babel? We find that it was erected, 
came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. But where are we? We're in the land of Shinar. Part of the solemn empire of Nimrod, the one who was in opposition right from the beginning to God, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erek, or Iraq as we know it today, and Akkad and Kalnei in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and the city of Rehoboth and Kale. So we go on, and Mizraim also, Egypt. So, very solemn things. And of course, you'll recall that as Daniel is taken to uh, um, Babylon again the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God so as this house is rebuilt in Shinar we are definitely speaking of Babylon and this great centre of trade, but of corrupt trade. It's a system which is all-embracing, and it's a system which, just as it has been from the days of Nimrod, is in opposition to, is against the Lord. But, as this destruction is very clearly to come about at the end of the age when that shaking of the heavens comes about so this rebuilding is yet to take place now throughout history there have been various attempts to rebuild Babylon. Alexander the Great was the first to try, and he died probably there before he got very far. Saddam Hussein famously started to rebuild Babylon. There are those again who are seeking to do so now. They're seeking to do so at the moment more as a um, tourist attraction. But what's a tourist attraction? It's a mark of trading, isn't it? It's to draw people to come in. And we certainly know that there are various tourist attractions we could think of somewhere like Glastonbury in our own land, which are full of all sorts of things, which are very definitely 
against the Lord and against his Christ. The whole system of New Age thinking and tradition is very much rooted in Babylonianism, in astrology, in sorceries, in enchantments. So, even if that is all the aim, we don't have to look very far to see how these things could very easily start to spread. And we know that it will become a very great force. But we also read the previous chapter of Zechariah where God speaks about the fact that it is by his spirit that uh, the Lord's work will be done and the foundation of his house will be laid. But who art thou, O great mountain? You might recall that we've seen many references to the mountain of Babylon. Now, Babylon isn't really a mountain, but it was something that had waxed great, something which had a, a vast power, a vast influence, a high place against the Lord. But God says before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. Now, again, that's a very interesting term, isn't it? Zerubbabel clearly died many thousands of years ago. But the name Zerubbabel, depending on whether we view it as a Hebrew term or an Aramaic term, means either brought forth from Babylon or the destroyer or, or, or from Babel or the destroyer of Babel of Babylon and this great mountain will be destroyed before Zerubbabel the Lord's power speaking here very clearly of that which is to come about but it is the same one who will crush this mountain who will lay the foundations of the temple of the Lord. So very wonderfully here we have two things built again. We have the building of this city of China, city in China, Babel, but we have two, the building of the temple of the Lord. And we know from Ezekiel that there will be that time when the temple 
is rebuilt. When is all this to take place? Well, as Mr. Foster said this afternoon, the exact times of these things are not revealed to us. We need to be on our guard, we need to be aware of them. But you don't need me to tell you that Isaiah 13 comes after Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 12. Now not all of these things are always chronological, but I don't think that's um, insignificant. Isaiah 11 verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. 11 verse 10 And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. Now as we start that chapter it, we hear those words um, quoted very often at the time when the Lord's first advent is remembered. But here when the Gentiles will seek and his rest shall be glorious the rest that he brings and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now you see why we've seen several times about the Lord calling his people out from Babylon. And people look and they say, well that happened way back uh, in the times of Cyrus. But this is a time yet to come, when the Lord will call his people together. He is already calling his people together from various nations, but there will be those from China, from that that have been sucked in again into the beauty, the terrible beauty of Babylon against the Lord and against his Christ. But he shall set up, verse 12, an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Uh, and so we read that they shall be brought together, and the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. Well, that hasn't been done, has it? And with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river, and shall smite it in the seven streams, and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. 
Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Do you remember that Jeremiah said that at that time the sins of Israel and Judah would be removed? Here we have it. In that day. That great day. In that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. Where? In the midst of thee. This great destruction of Babylon, which is yet to be built, will come about in that great day as the Lord is here. Now, John, in the Revelation, speaks from the end of chapter 16 all the way through chapter 17 and all the way through chapter 18. And we find over and over again as we go through those chapters echoes of what we've already read. So we hear that great cry that goes out. Babylon is fallen. It's fallen. Babylon the Great is fallen. But that's what Isaiah said. Those words are in Isaiah chapter 13. The wrath of her fornication. The whole picture, not the exact words, but the picture that we have all the way through these things echoes what we've already read from Jeremiah and from Isaiah. Now, I can understand people thinking that in John's time, if he put that Rome was going to be destroyed in such a way that there would be trouble and people would be against him and they would destroy the manuscripts, etc., 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 But John is using the very same words that Isaiah and Jeremiah were speaking about. Now, as we come to uh, Isaiah 13, we find it at the beginning, Isaiah 13 and 14, but then we have the burden of Moab. And we go through the burden of Damascus. And we go through place after place after place. Now, Isaiah isn't afraid of testifying against Babylon. But if he's not afraid of testifying against the might of Babylon, Rome was utterly insignificant. Rome was pretty much non-existent. So there was no reason for him to be afraid. Very clearly, 
These things speak of a mystery, yes, but of something very great that will be raised up. A system, a trading system, and we had mentioned, didn't we, of that trading system under the mark of the beast. But it shall be utterly destroyed by the Lord in his day, and his day shall be glorious. There's one other comment I want to make just about that. And again, it was uh, referred to this afternoon. But in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 8, John speaks of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, he clearly hasn't called it Jerusalem, but it is very clear that that is what he's speaking about. There are many ways that if John meant anything other than Babylon, he could have given a very clear indication in his writing that that's what he meant. But he didn't, for the simple reason that he didn't mean that. He's speaking of a city which is yet to be rebuilt, which will be utterly destroyed by the Lord. But we look to that day. In that day, we find at the end of Zechariah, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. In that day, there will be a wonderful opening up of these things. There shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. There will be that worshipping. There will not be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord. But those that are worshipping shall be those of the truth of God who know that Messiah, that man, greater than the gold of Ophir. That one who stands firm and true, the Redeemer, that ensign raised for the Gentiles, may we look to him and praise and worship his most glorious name. Amen.